Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 448. Today's show is brought to you by Skylight Frame. As part of our Health, Science, and the Arts series, we'll be joined today by David Leventhal, who is the program director and founding teacher of the Dance for PD Approach. Before we join David Leventhal, I want to give everyone a National Science Foundation update from the front lines of COVID-19, and perhaps some good news, too. As we've all been following the news reports, we're all wearing masks, social distancing, and ordering for delivery in. Here's the issue with the masks and why they're important. The spread of infectious respiratory diseases such as COVID-19 typically starts when an infected person releases virus-laden respiratory droplets through coughing or sneezing. To further slow and even prevent the virus from spreading, we need to greatly reduce the number and activity of the viruses in those just-released respiratory droplets. Hence the masks and current masks worn by individuals provide a physical barrier, reducing the number of escaped respiratory droplets that would become a new source of infection after entering the atmosphere or landing on objects and surfaces. But through a rapid funding grant from the National Science Foundation, a new self-sanitizing medical face mask is being developed to deactivate viruses on contact. This new mask mitigates the transmission and spread of viruses. How does it do it? Dr. Brigitte Schwenza, thank you very much for your time today. I want to talk to you about this new mask that has been uh, developed. And, and the mask itself, it actually mitigates, I understand it from, from my own research, it actually mitigates the transmission and the spread of the viruses. So how does it do that? What's the science behind this with respect to this ability to deactivate viruses on contact? The science behind it is materials chemistry. We've learned over the last couple of weeks that people mainly get infected through respiratory droplets that carry the virus when you sneeze or cough. And the researchers at Northwestern University had the idea to stop the spread of the virus right at the source, meaning at the mask. You know how everybody says, my mask protects you and your mask protects me. That is exactly what the researchers are going after. This is not just a mesh that physically stops the virus, but the researchers are developing a film that when you breathe through, loads the respiratory droplets with a little bit of acid and as the droplet shrinks the acid then gets more concentrated and destroys the virus thank you for that so what about the safety of this acid the antiviral agent and chemicals on the mask and the safety i guess for those wearing the masks the chemistry principle behind it is when you exhale and let's say you have this film on the outside of your mask, you exhale warm air, which activates the chemical, releases tiny amounts of acid into the droplets, and the droplets carry through to the outside of the mask, where they then are deactivated. When you inhale, you have cold air 
that you inhale, which does not activate the release of these tiny amounts of acid. There should not be an issue with it, but at this point, I can't say for certain what it is. This is something that needs to be studied either by Zha Jing Huang and his group or by other researchers that pick up on this development. And the mask is described as self-sanitizing. Is that correct? And, and when you refer to the acid, I'm assuming that that's the sanitizing agent. How long does the agent actually last? How long can mask wearer have the mask on and still have this effect? I know what the researchers originally proposed, and it is actually a very nice chemical because it changes color when it is active, when it can still release these tiny amounts of acid compared to when it's completely depleted. So somebody would visually see that this mask add-on is no good anymore, and then you can expose it to acid gas to recharge it into the active form, put this sticky patch or whatever the delivery mode will be back on the mask and keep wearing it. So you don't have to throw away the whole mask. You can recharge this add-on to the mask. So this add-on, that's what's referred to as kind of the drop-in solution. It's almost a, a filter that, that attaches to the mask. Yes. I imagine it as a sticky pad that goes on the mask, but that is my imagination how it could work. It might also be that you have a pocket in your mask where you can insert it. This is something that I, from my program's point of view, are not too concerned about. This goes into the actual development of the mask, and that is not what the Solid State and Materials Chemistry program, which I'm a program director for, focuses on, we focus on the fundamental understanding and developing the material chemistry for the add-on, and then we leave it to other researchers or our PIs to collaborate with somebody to figure out what the best way of applying this new method is. Very good. Well, Dr. Birgit Schwenzer, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate all this information. It's helpful we wish you, the team, the best of luck to get this fast-tracked into uh, some kind of uh, wearable format, but thank you for your time today. Thank you, Paul. This is always fascinating work from the National Science Foundation, and we thank NSF for their work and time. Let's move on to another impressive science story, the use of dance as therapy for Parkinson's disease, hence the name of the program Dance for PD by David Leventhal. Dance for PD was conceived in 2001 as a collaboration between the Mark Morris Dance Group and Brooklyn Parkinson's Disease Group and is now administered by Mark Morris Dance Group and David Leventhal. Dance for PD was born from the idea that people with Parkinson's could benefit from the insight and specific techniques and methods used by dancers to guide their own bodies and minds. Dance for PD strives to increase coordination, balance, flexibility, and strength through music and movement from a broad range of dance styles. 
In classes led by professionally trained dancers and musicians, participants experience the grace, fluidity, and power of dance in a social, joyful, and supportive environment. Dance for PD's fundamental working principle is that professionally trained dancers are movement experts whose knowledge about balance, sequencing, rhythm, and aesthetic awareness is useful to persons with PD. Let's welcome to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, founder and director of Dance for PD, David Leventhal. David Leventhal, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's really good to be with you, Paul. Thanks. Good to be talking to you today as well. I guess my first question, we, we are right in the middle of all of this stuff, but how are you and your family doing? Everybody kind of uh, surviving and, and doing okay with all of the self-distancing and uh, uh, social distancing and isolation as it is? We are. Thanks for asking. So we're all uh, we're all at home here in Brooklyn, New York, and um we're all very busy with our work, which has pivoted entirely to online virtual spaces. Our eight-year-old son is, is uh, learning online for second grade. Both my wife, Lauren, who dances for Mark Morris's company, and I are both doing a lot of teaching online um, and creating all kinds of resources. So it's a busy house. We've turned into a broadcast uh, complex here. Um, and we, we try to get outside to our local park once a day for as a family. You know, it, it, that little park has become a kind of a village square. People go out and uh, we see the same people every day and keep our distance and wave to them and do our, our activities outside. So it's been, it's been okay. Well, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yes, I agree. Thank goodness for those parks and for some of these spaces where we can just have a little bit of uh, contact with one another. And I want to talk about your world, uh, the world of, of dance for Parkinson's, dance for PD. And and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about it. I think many in my audience are going to be aware of PD movement and and its elements of cognition, and we'll we'll get into all of that. But they might not be so familiar with the dance aspect of it. So maybe you could tell us about that, and um, and then I think importantly to tell us tell our audience where it's available. Sure. So Dance for PD started in Brooklyn. We had just opened a dance center uh, in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, and we really wanted that center to be open to the community. Right? So not just a space for the professional company to rehearse or professional dancers to come train, but really for anybody who wanted uh, to engage in high-quality music and dance experience. And one of the people who walked through our door was a woman named Oli Westheimer. Oli is the founder and was the executive director for the Brooklyn Parkinson Group. And Oli had a vision. She really listened to members of the support group that she led in Brooklyn, and what she heard was that with Parkinson's, people really had a sense of losing their identities, losing their connections, losing a sense of themselves. And she was thinking about an activity that would bring people together socially, but also give them something that was meaningful, purposeful, and gave them a, a different sense of themselves, not as patients, but as as people living in the world, as uh, as active, engaged, older adults. Oli had a dance background. And so when she was thinking about this topic, she thought a lot about what dancers did. First and foremost, she was aware of dancers being social beings, right? We, we work together, we dance together, we connect, 
we use eye contact, we, we touch. So she knew that the social element was really strong, but she also thought about all of the strategies that dancers use to move, things like coordination and musicality and imagery, uh, sequencing, thinking about patterns. And the more she knew about Parkinson's, the more she thought dance would be particularly appropriate for people living with Parkinson's as those elements start to become more challenging for people with Parkinson's. So she's really operating on a hunch. You know, in 2001, there was no research on the impact of dance on Parkinson's and, and very little on the impact of physical activity in general. All of that research has come out in really the last 15 years. So when she approached us, it was a bit of a, of a gamble. You know, she said, would you consider offering a class, a dance class for people with Parkinson's, but I don't want it to be a therapy class. I don't want a clinical perspective. I want it to be a real, honest-to-goodness, rigorous arts experience, a dance class taught by your company members. And we all said yes as an organization. Our executive director, Nancy Umanoff, said we'd love to do it, and we will provide the dancers and a musician and studio space. <laughs> so we started that year. I was one of the first teachers, along with my colleague, John Higginbotham. And we started offering classes once a month with this very clear, uh, very clear goal, which was to offer a dance class to people with Parkinson's without it being about Parkinson's. Right? So the class was a creative experience, an artistic experience. It was bringing in all the dance training that we had as professional dancers. Um, it was perhaps slowing down and making them uh, accessible to people, but it was still offered at a very high artistic level. And when people arrived in, in that class, they were in the Mark Marsh Dance Center. They were surrounded by company members, by other people taking class. This was a non-clinical space. It was a space that said, you are a dancer. You are an artist. You are welcome here. And we started hearing right away how valuable it was for people to be part of a dancing space, to be included in the artistic community of the Mark Morris Dance Group, and to be treated as dancers, not as patients. And that was really the, the foundational uh, principle, whole program we found, and it is still the pillar um, that keeps the program what it is today. So a lot of people say, well, why dance? You know, well, how is it different from exercise? Well, dance and exercise have overlaps. I mean, they're both physical activities. Um, they address issues like stamina and strength and flexibility. Um, but dance goes a lot farther in the areas of cognitive skill. And it's those places, I think, that are often forgotten about by the medical community when they're talking about or trying to treat Parkinson's. So, there are actually a number of treatments for the motor skills, which include challenges in walking, gait, uh, tremor, slowness of movement, things like social isolation, cognitive change, challenges in being able to express oneself through your face or through your voice. Those are things that, that start to go away as well. And that's a place where dance really can come in because dance is a full, full-bodied, full, fully mindful activity. Right? When we dance, we're not just going through a sequence of movements that repeat. We're thinking about a sequence 
a sentence of movement that also is trying to say something, right? It's trying to express something. It could be an image. It could be telling a personal story. It could be playing a role. For example, uh, being a jet in West Side Story. It has a certain physicality. And so when you're doing those movements, you are telling a story through your body. And that makes it so much more engaging, I think, than a traditional exercise interface. Use music not just as a background beat, but as a um, as a sequencing guide, right? telling us how the steps progress through the movement. Also, giving us a sense of uh, expressive context. What are we trying to say through our bodies? What is this? What is this music telling us? And how do we how do we translate that through our bodies to 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 say something um, meaningful? And finally, I think there's the social element. Yes, you can go to a gym and work out still on your bike or you're still in your treadmill doing your own thing. In a dance class, you're constantly interacting with others. You're sending them physical signals. You're responding to other people's signals. Uh, before COVID-19, we were using touch and partnering. And there's a sense of really working together as a community to create an artistic experience together. And that's vitally important, I think, for a community that often feels isolated, cut off, alienated. Um, and, and to come into a space, whether it's a live space or a virtual space, where people feel like they belong, they are seen, they are witnessed, their movements are valued, is really powerful. And Yes, you can go to a gym and feel powerful in your body, but to be witnessed, to be recognized as someone who has something to say through one's body when you're dealing with a condition that often uh, suppresses that is, is a really empowering place to be. But on the cognitive side, I think what we're asking people to do in dance is considerably more challenging than a lot of uh, traditional exercise interventions. We are asking people to sequence many movements together always in an accessible way, but to think about movement A, movement B, followed follow movement C, et cetera. We're also asking people to remember movement, to um, organize their, their output, their physical output, using imagery and music and social interaction and choreography that all comes together and has to be processed. So we're asking people to do quite a bit Again, always in, a, in an approachable, accessible way, but it's um, there's a lot there's a lot to chew on in this class. Uh, are still eager to learn. They're still eager to try new things. There may be more more challenges, but um, there's still a lot that individuals can can do and can share. And so, the cognitive work is, I think, one of the most distinct elements of of what dance can can do for people with Parkinson's and for, for others. We're going to take a break, but we will be right back with David Leventhal. We'll learn more about David Leventhal's program, Dance for PD, and we'll hear David talk about how to get your family involved when needing more support from Dance for PD. Very helpful. Please stay tuned. Hey, it's Paul. And as I say, we'll be right back with guest David Leventhal, but you know, Mother's Day is coming up. And while I talk a lot about my mom here on the show, My mom lives 2,600 miles away, clear across the country. My mom is nearly 90, still walks her dog, plays the accordion beautifully. And despite the distance, my mom and I are close, but as well as I know her, 
I know that at 90, there aren't a whole bunch of great gifts to give her for Mother's Day. It's an important day as a son or daughter, but difficult to find the right gift, which is why I love the skylight frame. And that was just the perfect gift for my mom. I know because I was so excited to give it to her, I gave it to her already (laughs) before sending it to, to my mom. I set it up preloaded it with photos. It is super easy. The idea, of course, is that the skylight frame is a touch screen photo frame you can email photos to and they appear in seconds so my mom can see all of the favorite moments that my family shares with her. My mom can tap the heart button right on the frame and it lets me know that she loves that specific photo. This makes the frame interactive and it is so fun to use. You know, I stay in regular contact with my mom, but the phone lacks that necessary visual and video chat just doesn't cut it. So I can send photos to a custom email address and each image is uploaded instantly for my mom to see. It is a really easy way for my mom to see what we're up to all the way across country and for us to stay connected and connected with my sons and my wife Gretchen. It's a great way to feel close to those you love even when you're separated and you can share the custom email address and multiple people can send photos to the frame so it's a great way to keep large groups of friends and families in touch look there seems to be no end to our social distancing at the moment this is such an isolating time as we are just trying to keep all of us including my mom safe and healthy but the skylight frame gives my mom a little glimpse of us every day. And then when we talk on the phone, she can talk to the boys about the pictures we send. This skylight frame is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your skylight frame, they'll offer you a full refund. And now as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash old, O-L-D, and enter the code O-L-D, old. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash old and enter old. All this will be in the show notes. As I say, all this will be in the show notes. So please check it out. Support our sponsors. And remember, happy Mother's Day to everybody. We're back with David Leventhal, program director and founding member of the Mark Morris Dance Group program, Dance for PD. We're going to put links up to where you can find out more information about David Leventhal, about uh, Dance for PD. The website is danceforpd.org. David Leventhal, last question for you. Tell us about, in addition to the website, give us some advice about what you would have our audience do to get both themselves involved and those that perhaps are afflicted with PD and and, and where, where's the best place to look for a possible class as we kind of break through this COVID-19 issue? Where where, where can we get some additional information? Um, are, are you uh, talking about like sort of like right now where they would find a class or sort of in the future if we return to normal? So- I think probably in the future because I, I think what I'd like to do is mm-hmm. I'd like to direct them to the website for – uh, for 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 right now, because I think that's where they're going to get access. And then you mentioned the phone number of where they can get some kind of some phone support. Uh, it's not quite the same as a as a, a viewable class, but maybe in the future, where can where can people yeah. find out some additional information about yeah. classes in their local yeah, area? Yeah, sure. Okay. We now have dance for PDE classes in more than three hundred communities in twenty five countries around the world. So. Wherever you are, there's a there's a decent chance that there's a class 
near you. And if there isn't, we always encourage people to reach out to us and say, hey, there's no class here. How do we go about starting one? And in many cases, um, the initiation of a new class has come from someone with Parkinson's or a family member who says, I really like, I'd really like to have this in my community. I found out about your program. I've used your DVDs, and I love it. And I really want to do this here. How do we go about doing that? And, and a lot of the work that we do is building connections in those communities, finding people who might be uh, qualified to teach, training those people, and then helping them start classes. Um, in communities where there are programs, if you um, can't find it on our website, you can also check in with your local Parkinson's support group or regional Parkinson's association, of which there are many in this, in this country, in the U.S. We do uh, offer a, a lot of resources, both online. We also offer at-home DVDs. You can pop in a DVD and dance with us, and mm. um, those have, have gone out to all over the world, and a lot of people use them on a, on a daily basis, also as a way of having some kind of daily practice in between the live group classes. A lot of people use those DVD resources just as a way of, of staying, staying moving and active and engaged and musical um, during the rest of your week when you're waiting for the next the next live class. So uh, it's it's really heartening for us to see how empowered people are in the Parkinson's community to um, to set things up for themselves in carving out your own path and finding a way forward for yourself that is built around your interests and your needs. And uh, that's that's wonderful for programs like Dance for PD because there are some people who really find dance to be a meaningful, enjoyable thing in their lives and will seek it out for themselves. So we love fielding calls from people, um, particularly when people are complaining that there's no class locally for them because we, we love working with them to, to start to set one up. David Leventhal, program director, founding teacher of Dance for PD, former dancer with Mark Morris. We so appreciate your time and uh, all the innovative work that you're doing on those uh, for those with uh, with with Parkinson's disease. But thank you so much for your time today, David. Oh, it's Leventhal. such a pleasure being with you. Thank you for the opportunity to share uh, share my passion with your listeners and to let people know about uh, this program that that I feel so uh, so passionately about. So I, I really appreciate the time and the opportunity. Thank you. My thanks to David Leventhal and the Mark Morris Dance Group's Dance for PD. My thanks, too, to the National Science Foundation for all of their hard work during this period of COVID-19 research. Of course, happy Mother's Day to everyone, and my thanks to Skylight Frame for sponsoring the show. Finally, my thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience, for your time and enthusiasm. Please keep your emails coming with show ideas and feedback to paul at notold-better.com. All this will be in the show notes, but let's practice smart social distancing, good health practices, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. 